So, what's going on? <laughs> what's up, Brandon? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Alex? <laughs> Not too bad. Uh, obviously, you can see my uh, my background is a little different, but welcome yeah. back to Living Electric. Yes. Um, it's yeah. still Alex and Brandon, just in different locations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm traveling for work right now, but that doesn't mean the podcast stops. So, I'm coming to you from a hotel in Bakersfield, California. Um, and we thought... Today would be a good opportunity to discuss um, Tesla opening up their their charging network. Um, we saw some news come out of, um, I think I just read the electric article, but it's obviously kind of public knowledge at this point. Um, they've opened up kind of their first CCS slash Tesla site. So yes. that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, something that honestly took me by surprise because I monitor, you know, like I've been watching that for like months now, like how they were <laughs> right. going to do things. And like, you know, there was that rumors about the magic dock and like how that would work with the adapter and like so forth. And then all of a sudden I just see on my Twitter feed, magic dock found uh, you know for right. our own a new york supercharger yeah and um we we always thought that like well, you know me and like the chargeway team like we always thought that like they weren't retrofitting old stations because that station went live in october so like it's relatively new okay but that's confirmed that they are retrofitting older superchargers yeah um so i'm not sure how that's going to play out <laughs> I think it makes sense. I mean, I think it makes sense strategically, though, right? I mm -hmm. mean, if you have a simple enough retrofit that you can just go to a site, swap out a few parts, and <laughs> make it, you know, ready to charge other vehicles, I think that makes a ton of sense versus trying to build a site from the ground up with, like, a completely different, you know, magic dock and all that stuff. Because it's really, I mean, if you look at some of the pictures, the difference is not that much like it's the mm -hmm. same supercharger stall it's the same look it's literally just got this extra piece on it so i'm curious what's involved in that retrofit though because when i was doing my um when i was going through the process of like retrofitting adapter support onto my car <laughs> it was kind of a it was kind of a process to do all that um so i'm wondering if there's additional parts they have to replace like inside the stall versus just you know adding that little magic dock piece yeah yeah i'm not you know honestly i think it's a perfect location for where they've installed this because it's right by their uh super or the supercharger factory in new york so oh, is that right i think okay. they're calling it gigafactory new york which is actually the first time i've ever heard of that i just thought it was you know like yeah. the the where they have like the solar panel manufacturing yeah. um but um that's in buffalo this is in syracuse i believe Okay. Um, but from what I've seen in the photos, it actually looked like they did take off the sides of the supercharger. So like maybe they do have to replace certain mm -hmm. things in order, yeah. you know, I'm sure as like the week progresses, we're going to have people go out and test it and stuff, but the thing, it's right. not live in Tesla data yet. Um, like it doesn't it show as like a special supercharger or anything it, like that. Not yet. Yeah. Like we're is like it the in the other, I the didn't even look, is it in the Tesla app? No, it's not. I, that was really? the first thing I checked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's um, so like similar to like, you know, like the level twos that they're starting to install that like you now have to pay it right. um, in the non Tesla or charger non Tesla section of the Tesla app. Um, it's not showing yet, which was the first place I thought they would show it. But it appears right. based on Reddit, they're still testing it. Mm, OK, but so they're probably having, you know, some test vehicles come try it out, mm -hmm. do some testing before they open it up for sure, which is um, smart. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I completely agree. That 
boggles my mind the amount of things that just get rolled out and released without proper testing <laughs> it's just very frustrating as an engineer <laughs> like what do you mean you didn't have like 30 people sign off on this and double check your math and do all this <laughs> i know yeah that just blows my mind i feel like that could be any level of any product like if there's no testing involved like yeah, right. uh, there's there's been so many like software updates that I've had for my phone and like for my MacBook, and it's just yeah, it's like nobody yeah. tested this, <laughs> right? Right. But yeah, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out because that kind of leads into the main topic of our uh, episode today. Yeah, which is you know, what is this good or bad? Is this like <laughs> what are what are kind of our <laughs> thoughts on it? Um, the other thing I was going to mention is. Um, somebody pointed out on Twitter actually is the NEVI requirements. So Mm -hmm. national electric vehicle infrastructure requirements call out a credit card reader. Um, So they call out CCS, they call out at least four plugs and they call out 150 kilowatts and they call out a payment method that generally means a credit card reader of some sort. So it has to accept credit card, Um, which, you know, I'm curious if that's something that they're then going to try to also implement because like how easy would it be for them to, you know, drop a kiosk at their site that says, you know, scan your phone here, choose your charging stall and you're charging like, yeah, because <laughs> it can get expensive, obviously, to put it on every single stall. But some NEVI requirements do allow, depends on the state, obviously, allow you to use a kiosk system. So you're mm-hmm. not installing four credit card readers or eight credit card readers for Tesla. It's just one for the site. And then it's like, you know, paying for parking downtown. You park your car, you go to the kiosk, and then you, like, tell them what, what spot you're in sometimes. Um, but makes it a little bit cleaner. So I'm curious if that's kind of part of their long-term plan as well is to start adding those credit card yeah. readers in. Yeah. Um, no, that's actually – I mean, yeah, you brought up a really good point. Like, um, you know, like I was I was looking at the photos of, like, the, the Magic Dock today, and it's at every single stall, which actually was right. – it surprised me. Because I Instead thought of that, just one, <laughs> yeah, or like you know, like maybe or like four or something, yeah, 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 like you know, splitting it in half. Because that's what I'm noticing with like those level two installs. They're doing, you know, like fifty fifty, uh, yeah. you know, like half the green or J seventeen seventy two, and then half red or you know the Tesla connector. Right. Um. At, at this point, I'm not even going to start saying NACS because it's like I kind of feel like that was kind of like a show if they were really yeah. just going to be implementing these magic, you know, magic right. docs. But right. that's just my two cents. But um. Yeah, you know, it's. I was looking at. I forget which company it is, but they specifically have a kiosk where it's just like a standalone touchscreen. There's a credit card reader. You select which charger you want. Like exactly what you mentioned. Yeah. You swipe your card and then you go plug in. Is and this Tesla or somebody else? Did you say it was a that? different company? I okay, can't remember off. It was a. It was a smaller company. Um, yeah. But I can't remember the, off the top of my head exactly which company it was. But right. I know yeah. some other companies are developing that too because it's like it's got to integrate with obviously we have kiosks for a lot of other kind of simpler stuff but for integrating with a charging station and actually activating a session like there's some more integration that has to take place mm-hmm. um but yeah that's an interesting point about putting it on every stall um i think that's a good thing i think it like the more flexibility they can give people is better um and like I, I kind of hate the magic doc term. Like that almost feels like an Apple term. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if you look at the design, like it is very smart, like just for the people listening or maybe that haven't seen the article. Basically, if you pull up in a Tesla vehicle, it acts like a normal supercharger was. You just pull the 
you know connector off the off the hook you plug it into your car and you're charging if you're activating it with a ccs car when you uh activate it the ccs adapter essentially locks to the tesla cable and then when you pull it off the whole thing comes off it's it's the adapter and the tesla plug and then you plug that into the ccs car so as elegant of a solution i think <laughs> as they could as they could create based on kind of the parameters here yeah <laughs> but uh but i think it's i think it's a good solution and definitely like i'm curious to see how this looks at future sites and just kind of what the utilization is as well i think that's yeah. that's yeah. the other thing i think is concerning a lot of tesla owners right is <laughs> are yeah. we going to be like are Rivian's going to start clogging up superchargers? <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the bolts plug into superchargers. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, that that was the first thing when I when I first saw the news article. I, I texted my friend Andrew because normally he's on top of. He, he's going to laugh when he hears this because normally he sends me EV news. Right. And finally, I found something ahead of him, and I was like, "Oh, I'm ahead of you this time." But the very first comment I said was, "I can't wait for bolts to start clogging up superchargers." Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's fair you know like if it's a publicly accessible charging station charge at it you know like even if your vehicle can't charge i get it it's probably annoying to like other drivers like totally understand that but um it's i really think that this is going to push ev adoption further i'm just curious to know how like the rest of this rollout is going to be handled um yeah because i don't i as you mentioned you know i'm sure there's requirements in terms of hardware switch outs and so forth so like I highly doubt they're going to retrofit every supercharger that exists. Um, and, and on top of it, with Nevi funding, they're not required to do that for already existing stations. They would have to do it for anything that's funded by Nevi. That was right. my understanding. So if yeah. they were to retrofit the older stations, that would come directly out of their, you know, their funding, their exactly. private funding. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically public funding since they're public Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> they're sharing oh, yeah. their money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that SEC case that just, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're you're exactly right. The uh, That is a great point because the NEVI requirements are, you know, a new build site. It's not retrofitting or just mm-hmm. updating an existing site. Um, so... Yeah, um, and maybe that's why they are starting with an existing site and retrofitting it to be like, hey, this is already built. Like worst case scenario, we can just you know rip these off, <laughs> and it was a good <laughs> good test or whatever. Um, uh-huh. We can go from there. Um, but I'm also curious. Like I, I'm in California right now, and like a lot of people have been talking about like you know clogged superchargers. There's not enough stations to support everything. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we get stuck in the Ohio bubble where it's like we don't see a lot of full charging stations, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's very rare. It's obviously gotten more common as as Teslas have become more popular. I think I've seen full supercharger stations a lot more often. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I still think it's it's still got a ways to go in the Midwest and Ohio specifically. Um, but in places like California, it's, it's almost going to either push other networks to be like, oh, Oh crap! We got to figure this out, <laughs> or else they're just going to start using the Tesla network, or yeah. you know, um, or we got to you know pick it up and, and do our thing a lot better. So, yeah, I I am curious about how this might impact Tesla reliability because I know in Europe they had that issue when they first opened up the supercharger to some vehicles, um, based on like you really? know. Like, software interchange you know like it did cause a lot of like initial issues during the first rollout 
Really? Where like cars weren't connecting or like it was just not interrupting with cars correctly? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like that's where like I'm curious to see like I'm sure that's why they're testing it on different vehicles. Like in that image we were testing out on Rivian, you know. So yeah, I I just really hope that that kind of gets like worked out (laughs) because I don't want like any like superchargers breaking or like their uptime like decreasing (laughs) because of like software issues or (laughs) right right yeah you got to be careful with that um that's an interesting point too because like interoperability is like something you don't really think about too much because you're like what do you mean it's got a ccs plug now what could be the problem but it's like there are so many like little nuances with vehicles where it's like they might do a slightly different protocol or like timing things right or something like that where it could cause issues on a supercharger when tesla has control over all the vehicles right so if there's an issue they can push a software update tomorrow to all of them (laughs) and fix that issue whereas like if rivian's having an issue it's calling rivian or saying hey like these aren't working on our stations right now and it's not our problem so yeah Yeah. (laughs) fix it right yeah 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 it's it's going to be interesting to see how this rolls out i mean i am excited to see tesla opening their their supercharger you know network to like other vehicles i think it's i think it's going to take the strain off of other networks especially as they they essentially i'm going to say catch up you know i'm going to put air Mm -hmm. quotes right now but a lot of a lot of networks are still playing catch up to how large the supercharger network is so um it's getting there um but you know and the the thing is is that like i feel like i sound like such like a tesla fan fanboy i'm just gonna (laughs) say that but it's the truth you know they have more ports than the majority of fast charging networks out there yeah um so I don't know. We'll we'll see. And I, I just really hope that this pushes other companies to put more stalls in at locations right. to help relieve some of that. So let me ask you this. Do you think mm-hmm. Tesla doing this will lead people to fast charge more just in I, general? I So I, I think so. I, I think I, so I'm going to say this like hypothetically you know like say for example if like tesla doesn't open up all of their superchargers obviously that's going to leave gaps and routes for certain cars to make Mm. it to certain charging stations so i think yes and no i think like if they really (laughs) did retrofit every supercharger out there absolutely i think more people might take more advantage of that but um I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to answer that. <laughs> do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna be strategic about it and be like, oh, like EA doesn't have this route covered, so we're gonna open up supercharging along this route? Because there's clearly more yeah. routes open with superchargers than there are with EA or EVgo or some of these other big networks. So, do you think yeah. they're gonna? I'd imagine they're gonna be pretty strategic about that. <laughs> Which I, ones they open? <laughs> I, I would think so. I mean, it would help a lot of vehicles, you know, make it to like certain locations. You know, like right, right now, South Dakota is kind of like like a barren zone you know in between like mm. uh I man i'm like drawing a blank on which states are which but i think Two that's of those Missouri. states is it minnesota <laughs> is that minnesota right there i honestly don't know <laughs> thinking about it. i think it's South minnesota Dakota. yeah minnesota's yeah. on the west side and then on the east side is iowa no yeah. no that's south south anyways okay south. so yeah yeah what? yeah there's One illinois minnesota and then South Dakota. Anyways, yeah. okay, this is not our my geography. My geography is limited to Ohio and the surrounding <laughs> states. So, right. <laughs> if it's if it's west of Illinois, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we only know California and you know yeah. some of those bigger states. But um, yeah, no. So like South Dakota, like it, there's a pretty 
good blank, you know, like space for like CCS vehicles. Like uh, mm-hmm. Ready Charge is like a network that just finally put in a fast charger, but it's a 60 kilowatt fast charger. So it's mm-hmm. not like anything like extremely, you know, like high powered or ultra or hyper, whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, it's not a, it's not a green seven. Like it's, yeah. it's lower. And, um, there's a bunch of uh, V2 superchargers along that route, which would be perfect for vehicles to be able to get to like the Badlands or to Yellowstone or like some of those more rural areas right. where other networks haven't exactly caught up yet. So, mm. yeah, I, I think I think it just kind of depends. I think it might lead people to like fast charge more, but it also depends on pricing too. You know, we don't know how much Tesla is going to put a premium on it. Right. Right. I, I still it's it's so interesting being out in California and some of these places where EV adoption is so much higher because and we mentioned on the orange episode and some of the other episodes it's like <clears throat> so many of the EV buyers just treat it like a gas car just go to a fast charger when they need to charge and that's it like they don't even think about level two or level one charging um, and it's it's very odd, and I I could almost see this kind of not backfiring, but like having an unintended consequence of Tesla opening this up to be like, oh, I just bought a Rivian, like my apartment doesn't have a charging, I'm not even going to attempt to try to get it installed. I'll just go to the Tesla supercharger and you know charge my Rivian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's kind of more what I was alluding to is I almost think it could have that effect where people are like, hey, Tesla's the st- Tesla network's reliable. The like, I know it's going to work when I go there. It's going to be faster than, you know, sitting at a public level two station and I can get my vehicle yeah. charged. No problem. So I'm I, I think that may be an unintended consequence of opening up this network <laughs> personally. Yeah, because yeah. we already goes... see and we already okay. see that with Tesla vehicles, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Tesla doesn't really have a great I mean, they do and they don't have a great, you know, destination charging network. It's mostly superchargers. So most people just, you know, I've got a Tesla car. I'll just go to the supercharger and be done. That's just how yeah. I'm going to do it. So, yeah, and we saw that in the beginning days as well. You know, when they offered all the free supercharging, like right. there so many, so many Tesla, yeah. you know, like owners that would pick up their original Model S and be like, well, I'm not putting home charging in because I have a supercharger down the street from me. I'll just mm-hmm. go and sit there for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like it's free. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. And I think my biggest concern is that it's going to clog up charging stations for Tesla vehicles, which is just going to create more wait times, more lines, like, and it's going to, I think it's, I think a lot of Tesla customers, depending on how this plays out, are going to get frustrated at first. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, this is kind of tangential, but I think the, I'm oh, that was a good constantly, word. what's that? That was a good vocab word. <laughs> What's that? The word you what just said. That was a good vocab word. What did I say? I can't even remember. You, I just you said like <laughs> everybody's listening. As far as like does Brandon have an education? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> what state? You, yeah, right. Which state? Uh, you said tan like a tangent, but tangential. I think tangential? that's how you. Yeah, tangential. Tangent. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> oh, I said yeah. I said this is a bit tangential. Yeah, that was a good word. Um, <laughs> a lot of syllables in that one. <laughs> um, Can you use it in anyway. a sentence? <laughs> anyway, the uh, the uh, the thing we saw with uh, with a lot of the federal money coming out and grants and stuff is it's all focused on fast charging, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like I mean, truly, we've seen it with like a lot of things is like the true way to make EV charging way more accessible and way 
way easier for people is home charging and like reliable charging where they park long term right like that is just so constantly overlooked and it frustrates me a lot in the industry that the focus is on more expensive higher power fast Mm -hmm. charging when level two can get the job done 90 percent of the cases i mean yeah that's all we talked about you know 2017 to to 2020 is like oh yeah like 90 percent of your charging is done at home and i'm and i'm kind of curious what the numbers is numbers are with like new ev owners over the past you know three years like are 90 percent of them still charging at home because yeah. more and more people in apartments are getting evs more and more people without you know a garage are getting evs so I think it's changing very quickly. (laughs) We need it. We almost need more like government funding to go towards, you know, upgrading home charging or getting apartments ready for for home charging. Like things like that, I think will have a bigger impact than these expensive fast charging projects. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) personally. Yeah, Yeah. no, I I absolutely agree. And I I know that's part of the NEVI funding for level two charging. I can't remember exactly how many ports they mentioned. I think, what was it, half a million, like 500,000? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. I know I know in, in my job a lot of the focus is on those those Nevi corridor funding oh, projects, not as yeah. much on the the apartment ones. So yeah, um, and I know that's what the states kind of had to have more formal plans for of like where are you what corridors are you putting stations on. So there's a lot more planning going into that. Um, yeah, but I haven't I, seen a ton come out with the destination or level two charging. Yeah, I haven't seen much of that, and and I kind of had a feeling like that would be like the initial phase for the Navi rollout, like focus on the fast chargers, as you mentioned. So many people just want to know how quickly they can charge versus like how conveniently they can charge. That's right. actually uh, we should have a whole episode on convenience versus fast charging. Like yeah. I feel like that would be a good ta- you know conversation. Right. But um, yeah, I mean you know if. if you can start off that initial rollout, get the fast chargers in the ground, and then start sprinkling those level twos in different communities, apartment complexes, and really make it easier for people to plug in overnight. You mm-hmm. know, even level one chargers, like orange charger, like get that get that in and make right. it easier for people to charge. Um, I, I just think so many people take for granted slow charging, like or standard charging. I think so many people just take it for granted, like. That it's just going to happen because it's like so much lower cost. You're saying, and it's yeah, like I, I an think easier thing to put in. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I think so many people focus. Well, how fast can I charge? And it's like, well, you don't need a fast charger at your house. Like no. you can just plug in when you get home, or you know, plug in when time of use or whatever, whatever right. your you know case might be. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a interesting (laughs) yeah it's you brought up the like free charging as well it's like it's very like we saw with tesla's now like giving people credits on (laughs) on vehicles with free supercharging like extra trade-in credits um because i'm sure they've seen that like if it's a free thing like people love free like they're gonna use it even if it's a little bit inconvenient yeah um like if it's hey maybe an extra half hour like added to your commute to like pause at a supercharger before you go all the way home for free charging then like they might do it once a week like things like that i think there's just been a lot of unintended consequences of <laughs> the way we've kind of set up the initial phase yeah. of of ev charging for a lot of people yeah well i i do want to just bring up a point with free charging that's exactly why they ripped out those chargers in twinsburg 
you know, because right. they, they left them as free, which, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's kind of on the city for not putting, you know, like a cost to it. <laughs> but there right. are people who were using them every single day for eight hours at a time to charge up their vehicle because really? it was free. And they were taking t- they were taking advantage of it. And yeah. that's what happens when you leave something as free. You know, some right. sometimes people take advantage of it. And, um, yeah, that's why, like, I'm not, like, a massive proponent of free charging. Like, it, it's good for some people who need it. You know, it's, it's yeah. good from time to time. But if you have to pay for something, I'm going to pay for it. Like, I'm not going to shy away from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's all about the intention of it, too. Because, like, what was the intention of free supercharging when Tesla hmm. first yeah. was creating their vehicles? Like, what was the reason for that? It yeah. was, you know, an to incentive. help sell vehicles. It was an incentive to sell vehicles. It was to be like, hey... Your charging is paid for. There are chargers everywhere. They charge up in less than a half hour. Why wouldn't you buy a Tesla? (laughs) Like that's kind of what was what their business pitch was. Um, And now it's like, and even with the Twinsburg chargers, it's like, what was the intention of the free charging there? Was it truly to be like a, you know, random people from the community can just like charge here overnight or like what was the intention of setting up free charging there and i'm not sure if not to like bash on twinsburg but i'm not sure like a ton of thought was put into it of like why are these free yeah Um, because it makes sense in some places it doesn't make so much sense in others so yeah i honestly when it when it comes to the free charging i still can't wrap my head around it like why (laughs) why the city set it up like that like i I think it was a nice benefit for people to like utilize them and like see get that data but like i i'm still a firm believer that like they would still be in the ground if they would have if they okay let me restart the how i was going to word that they would still be in the ground if they would have put a cost to it because they Mm. would have recouped some of that install at least covered some costs so you didn't have people using all your electricity right so yeah yeah yeah, you definitely got to be careful with that stuff because there's a there's a right way to do free charging um and we talked about doing like a nudo specific episode but like one of the features we have is we have this thing called an access code where you could get it if you check into a hotel where it's like hey if you have an access code it's free charging since you're staying at the hotel but if a random you know person comes up, it's not going to be free. They've got to pay the the market rate for charging. So somebody doesn't see this just as a free charger and is going to use it because they know it's free. It's mm-hmm. like it's now an inconvenience almost because <laughs> they've got to pay for it and probably more than they would pay at home. So that's then deterring people from blocking that charger. Yeah. But if somebody tr- truly does need that charger, truly needs to charge, then they could pay for it and still use it. So there's there's a lot of flexibility that comes with our system. And I know some others do do similar things. But there's, again, kind of a right way to do free charging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not just, you know, open and free for everybody. So Yeah, yeah. I, I really like to hear that, that there's multiple different options depending on who you are as a driver for how right. the charging session is going to work. Right. That's really nice. Yeah, it's it's very handy. We see it really popular with, with hospitality, with hotels and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's that's one of my like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm with Nudo because we are so like flexible on that stuff. Um, not a lot of other, other networks are that flexible. So, and we may even back to kind of the Tesla discussion, we may even see now with non-Tesla vehicles, they have a different rate for supercharging mm-hmm. that might be more expensive. I mean, it's all, I mean, Tesla has the freedom to do that, right? So that's another thing we may see as these these networks mature is like certain vehicles get, <laughs> get priority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly would not be surprised if that's how Tesla prices out non-Tesla EVs. 
you know, they're gonna they're gonna charge a premium to have them charge at their supercharger, and then like if right. you're a Tesla driver, you get like a cheap well, like an existing rate. You know, like yeah. it's not gonna they're not gonna upcharge you depending yeah. on the location, but. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on like how they're planning on um, controlling traffic in a way with their with their network. <laughs> yeah, because we're now getting into you know gas territory almost, where prices are changing daily. Like, mm -hmm. and networks kind of have the ability to do that. Um, one thing I was gonna ask you about too, if you think Tesla would, you know, um, or I guess drivers in this case would drivers pay a little bit more for the convenience or the reliability of the Tesla network? So if they're like, oh, this supercharger is right next to an EA station, they both have CCS, Tesla station is 10 cents more per kilowatt hour, but it, I know it's going to work when I plug in. Yeah. <laughs> like, which <laughs> yeah. I think I would pay that extra 10 cents I, if I'm like, I don't have to mess around with this for 10 more minutes to like yeah. get EA on the phone and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Like, absolutely. Like, that's that's the moment you were asking me that question. That's where my head was going. Like, I would absolutely pay for the Tesla experience over, you know, like another experience where like a charger might be down. Am I gonna have to call customer service? Like, right. That's that's where my concern is with like the the magic dock and like as they like expand this within the Tesla network. Is is that going to be the instance? You know, like, are they going to start running? And, and I mean, this is all new technology. I'm sure there's going to be issues that come up, but right. it's, uh, yeah, I would definitely go for the Tesla experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, do you think Tesla is going to try to implement plug and charge with mm. non-Tesla vehicles? Hmm. I, 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 I mean, it depends. about that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think it depends because, you know, the thing is, is that, um, because you know, like for example, like um, I don't think Tesla utilizes that that engineering standard, right? With their vehicles, they do. They do the I I what is it ISO ISO fifteen eleven eight. Okay, Tesla's been close. using it, I think, since the beginning, or at least like, or at least a version of it. At least okay. that's what I've heard. I think they use something very similar to certify or like verify payment on vehicles, link payment to vehicles. Because I mean, right now you set up your payment that's in true. your Tesla account. Yeah. When you plug in, it recognizes the vehicle. It's it's secure as far as I'm aware. I don't think it's reading like just the the vehicle MAC address or whatever that some other networks use. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I'm pretty sure they use a very similar standard. So okay, yeah. I um I I mean with that being <clears throat> said, that that would probably work with like the Mach E and like some other plug and charge vehicles like the the Taycan, the Lucid, right. and um I'm trying to think of other ones, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would depend. I don't know if they would necessarily necessarily do like a workaround, like how EVgo has their auto charge set up. Right. Um, but if they did, I mean, it would make it a lot easier for drivers. Right. Um, but the but the only thing that would be the issue is that if the adapter, like in the you know the magic dock, is locked, how would the car communicate with the charger? Oh, uh, that's a good point. <clears throat> you know, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm not an engineer, but I mean, I'm sure no, they figure that's it a, out. No, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Because you would need some kind of mechanism to know if this is a CCS vehicle or a Tesla yeah. vehicle. Because so. that's what that QR code is for. Like on right, because yeah. you scan that and then yeah. go from there. I don't know. I mean, they might, if, if they could figure out like some type of communication between the car and like similar to what they already do with the Tesla and the supercharger, you know, like. Some kind of RF thing that yeah. <laughs> just opens the door, <laughs> but it's uh, a... <laughs> Uh, CCS adapter release. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, it's, I didn't think about that piece. 
but yeah, I think it would be neat if they started to roll that out, but I think it would also take some agreements between Tesla and other OEMs, and we know how that has gone in the past. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I'm not sure how that would work out, but. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like, I'm starting to fade a little bit. No, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think if I have any other uh, discussion points on this, because, I mean, it's, it's, again like a lot of things we're still in the wild west here like Mm -hmm. even though we're clearly progressing towards a lot of chargers out there more chargers tesla's really kind of hit their stride with supercharging and are now this is the first time they've done something truly like new with superchargers too so it's very interesting to see how this is going to play out (laughs) just long term (laughs) Um, is this going to be another thing where it's like oh they pilot it for a year and they're like this is not worth it at all or is it something they're going to continue with and, and keep? So I think time will tell, like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I think like there's going to be a lot of hurdles that are going to, you know, people are just going to have to get over Tesla drivers, you know, everything in that aspect. But I mean, if it pushes EV adoption even further, it makes, you know, like allow people to be more comfortable with like longer road trips and so forth, then it's mm-hmm. a win. Um, right. But I think it just all depends on how things play out. But I mean, even Tesla, like, you know, with the announcement of them, you know, opening up their network, they even said that they were going to double their existing network to accommodate all the EVs that are hitting the road. Right. So, <laughs> and, and they're seeing it. I mean, even their own vehicles, you know, it's, it's, they're selling so many vehicles. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, probably extremely frustrating, but it's going to be really <laughs> cool to see how things play out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trying to take a more positive spin. Right. It, like yeah. like you said, I think it's overall going to be a good thing. I think it's definitely going to – more plugs is always good. More mm-hmm. options for drivers I think is always good. Um, and with a lot of things, when companies compete, then consumers generally win. So, like, yes. any kind of competition among networks or among vehicles, like, it's generally good for the consumer because that means they're working to make a better product. So, yep. yeah. yeah. Capitalism at its best. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you got anything else? Uh, no, I, I think I'm good. I'm tired. I Normally, I say this at the very beginning of the episode, but I did not sleep well last night. So, I'm going to end the episode on that. All right. <laughs> but actually, no, I do have something because okay. I want to start getting more, you know, audience engagement. You know, I want to, I, I would like to hear, you know, your thoughts on the Magic Doc, you know, especially if you're on Twitter and you're or Reddit, you know, wherever you're seeing that news. Let us know your thoughts. You know, I definitely want to learn more about that. Definitely. Yeah, we've been getting some awesome comments on our YouTube channel, so shout out to everybody commenting there and leaving us some feedback. We read everything, even if we don't reply, so (laughs) we, we certainly appreciate it. But with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode.